Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. Jesus is also Isa in Arabic, and he was a messenger as well. He was just extremely enlightened, like religiously and morally. Was somebody that um, just tried to um, impart wisdom on others and um, make the world a better place. I think he saw something that a lot of people didn't see and still don't see in others. And I, I think that's just a lot of love and, and hope. Jesus sort of seemed like an ominous uh, figure, you know, he just, he, he was God, and it was hard to relate to him, but I think as I've grown in my faith a lot, I've really started to see Jesus as my closest friend. Good morning, uh, church family. Good to be with you today. Uh, my name's Adrian, and if we're family, then I'm the uncle, I guess, that shows up every now and then, and you're like, we got to let this guy in. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, you married into that part of your family. You know, you didn't get to choose. So anyway, um, I, I have the privilege of serving a lead pastor at Church of Nazarene, which most Sundays puts me in the Harrisonburg campus. And every now and then, I just love, I mean, I'd love to come more, but I love to come down. And so I sent Jared to Harrisonburg today. And I think everything's fine. I checked out the live feed to make sure everybody looks like they're alive and doing well. And uh, everybody made it to the first service. Um, so we're doing okay. But it's good to be with you today and a joy uh, to share with you. Uh, who is Jesus? That's the question that we begin with today. Because we're, we're really going to begin a series today. You showed up today at, at Church of the Nazarene. And maybe you've thought a lot about what that means, about this church and, and who we are. Maybe you really haven't. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to begin a series. I'm going to start it this week, but Pastor Jared will be back next week to continue the journey. What we believe as a church, because what we believe should impact how we live. It should. And so the importance of this is not just theology and, you know, know your right answers. No, no, no. This is about how we live and what we believe should impact how we live. And so we're not going to talk about everything, but we're going to talk about what we believe are the most important things in a day where uh, maybe what we, we believe can be confusing or a mystery to some. We just want to affirm these, these are kind of the tenets of, of what we believe. And so today we're going to begin uh, with the beginning and the end. Today is really that. It's the beginning and the end. You may say, well, how in the world is that possible? Well, it's the start of our series, week one, but it's also the end because who we are and what we believe begins and ends with Jesus. It's the beginning and it's, it's the end. And so that's 
going to be our focus today. There's a reason we call ourselves Church of the Nazarene. Jesus is the beginning and end. And so we're going to go back to the beginning uh, when the fulfillment of Jesus became a reality for us. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1. In just a few weeks, uh, we're going to celebrate Christmas. I know that. Uh, Raise your hand. It's okay. Maybe you're embarrassed. Maybe you're proud. I don't know. Raise your hand if you've done some Christmas shopping, if any. There were some hands in the first service. I see that. I look, look at that hand over there. The littlest one in the room has done his Christmas shopping. Praise the Lord. I can't wait to see what that is. Hopefully it's not edible or perishable and hiding in your sock drawer. But um, man, that's awesome. I have not. And I, any, you know, it's like, it's not even Halloween. But I, I just encourage you, go with me for a minute. Uh, this passage we're going to read in Matthew 1 feels like a Christmas passage, but it's really going to help us pinpoint to the arrival of Jesus. And what's really interesting in Matthew chapter 1, we're going to read in verse 20, just a couple verses together. What's really interesting in Matthew's gospel, uh, Matthew doesn't spend a lot of time telling us about the details of the arrival of Jesus. Luke does all that. You know, when when I get to sit around with my family on Christmas and we read about the arrival of Jesus, we're reading Luke because it talks about the manger and it talks about the shepherds and the angels and Matthew doesn't do any of that. But Matthew is really concerned that we understand who Jesus is. It's really important to him. And so here uh, in verse 20, we're reading as an angel appears to Joseph in a dream. And let's just read these verses starting in verse 20. After he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, him being Joseph, right? In a dream. Said Joseph, son of uh, David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. What's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had done through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. First, what does Matthew want us to know? He he wants us to understand the mission of Jesus. It's right here in the text. It says, give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. Feel free to plug your name in there. If you're, I mean, if you're like a, I take notes in my Bible, so if, if, if I were you, I'd circle that and put my name, right? Because the truth is, you're to give him the name Jesus. He will save your name from their sins. That's what Jesus, so the mission of Jesus is what? To be Savior. His mission, the reason Jesus came. And Matthew, he's not even getting into all the details and all the cool things that happened around the arrival. He wants us to know from the very beginning, Jesus, his mission in coming was to be Savior. That's why he came. So he could be a sacrifice for all sin. So no one would ever have to be separated from God again. But there's more, there's more. Because next, Matthew wants to talk about the ministry of Jesus. And it's right here again. They will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. And it points to the ministry of Jesus is presence. His presence with us. See, through the life of Jesus, we get to see and experience the presence of God with us. Why then? Why? Why does it, uh, what we believe, begin and end with Jesus? Well, he's Lord, right? And because of that, we, we acknowledge we can't save ourselves. We needed a Savior. And that's, that's why Jesus came, because our righteousness falls short. I, can't, I can be a moral and good person. I can be kind and giving and generous. But none of that is enough for me because of sin, 
There will always be a barrier between me and God. But, but Jesus came to make a way so that, so that we didn't have to be separated from God anymore. And, and Jesus came to show us what the Father looks like. As Jesus loved and as he taught and as he ministered and as he healed, we get to see we get to see what God looks like and we get to experience the reality that we don't worship a God who's far off in distance. We worship a God who came to be with us. God with us. It's the ministry and the, and the mission of Jesus. So that's why. That's why it begins and ends with Jesus for us. But as important as all of that is, it's not the final word. It's not the final word about Jesus. Because he's Lord, we give him the final say in our lives. So it's not just his life and his mission that matters, but the words of Jesus, what he said matters to us. And so for the bulk of our time left today, we're going to focus on one of the sayings of Jesus, one of the teachings of Jesus, one of the claims of Jesus. So turn with me. We're going to be in John 14. And I'd love it if you have your copy of Scripture. If you're a version uh, Bible app user, we have an event set up there. Uh, like Jared does every week. I did it this week, and he said, the three people that use it will really appreciate it. So I was like, great, all right. So all three of you, you're welcome. But right there, if you look under events uh, for our church campus here, you'll see that. And there's some extra notes I have there, some links to follow up with later. But we're going to be in John 14, and we're going to look at this, that the claims of Christ. Who did Jesus claim to be? We just saw what Matthew said his mission and his ministry was going to be. What did Jesus say? He said a lot, but we're going to look at uh, John 14 and just these first seven verses. They may be familiar to you, but maybe they're not today. And so let's lean in for just a few minutes. This is what it says. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, but believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God. Listen to the claims of Christ. Listen to what Jesus said about himself. Jesus said, I'm the way between you and the Father. You don't have to be separated from God anymore. You don't have to be an enemy of God anymore because of me. Jesus said, what? Sin. Sin doesn't have to be a barrier for you anymore. In essence, this is what he said. I haven't just come to show you the Father. I've come to reconcile you with the Father so that you can be in relationship with him again. But make no mistake, the claims of Christ are exclusive Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way. No one comes to the Father, what did Jesus say, except through me. It's an exclusive claim, isn't it? There is no other way to be reconciled to God, is what Jesus is saying. No other way to find true peace except through Jesus. You know, I, I think about that, and, and I think about that claim. And, and some of you, maybe you're here today, and you wrestle with, man, how how can a loving God say there's only one way? Wouldn't a loving God want to provide every way? And I, man, that's a really good question. 
But as I think about that, I also think about me and my life. I think about, um, you know, the things I've done wrong, sin, but also my nature. My nature is towards self, towards selfishness. That I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm broken. And on my own, if I think about that and I think about what I deserve... I kind of deserve what I have coming towards me, right? I, I, but when I'm selfish and I do dumb things, I deserve the punishment for that. I deserve the consequences for that. And it's really easy to say, oh, God, if you love me, why wouldn't you provide every way? Why, why is there only one way? But, but sometimes I have to step back and say, wow, isn't it a miracle that God loved me enough to provide any way? Even one way? I don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. What I deserve is to God say, well, how many chances did I give you? And look at all I've given you, and what did you do with it? That's what I deserve. I deserve for God to say, good luck. You're on your own. But that, he didn't do that. He made a way. And so the claims of Christ are exclusive, but, but they're inclusive of those that would follow in his, his way and his life and his freedom and forgiveness because he made a way for you. That you do not ever have to be separated from God again. So, what do you do? What, how, how do you answer? If someone says, how can you possibly believe there's only one way to God? You can answer clearly and, and say, it's because I believe Jesus. I believe Jesus. So once you understand these truths, it's not hard to see why we call ourselves Church of the Nazarene. Because without Jesus, we don't have a hope. We have no message. We have no church without him. It begins and ends with, with him. That's why the beginning of this passage matters. Look again at the very beginning of John 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I got to tell you, there's times in my life where I let those words preach to my soul. You know, like I'm worried or anxious about something and I remember Jesus saying, don't let your heart. It's almost like we have some control over it, don't we? Doesn't feel like we always do. But it's almost like he's saying, no, 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 stop for a minute. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Why? Why? Because Jesus is saying, I made a way. You're not hopeless. You're not alone. You don't have to save yourself. Don't let your hearts be troubled because I, I've made a way for you. I've made a way for you to be in relationship with the Father. The bottom line uh, for us today is, is it all begins and ends with Jesus. In what you believe in your faith journey, I, I pray that's true today. And if not, today is an opportunity to kind of come back to that place where the reality of, of who we are and what we believe, it begins and ends with Jesus. And maybe that doesn't sound radical to you, but if you begin to operate and live your life in accordance with that truth, I, I promise you, it'll be pretty radical. It begins and ends with Jesus. I want you to think with me today about the most desperate moment of your life. So do this, okay? It's, it's first service. I wouldn't dare tell them to close their eyes. I'd lose some of them. But I think you guys, you've had enough caffeine at this point. So do, do something with me. For just a minute, close your eyes. We're not going to pray, but we're going to think. And maybe think better with your eyes open. So if so, you can open them. But some of us get distracted, okay? So think back in your life. It's the most desperate moment of your life. For some of you, it's just like that. You've got it. But for others, maybe you have to dig a little, think a little. What was that moment like? For you what did you need most in that moment go back to that circumstance that day that moment it's not fun maybe to go back there but just do it for a minute we're not going to hang out there go back to that moment what did you need most in that moment 
you can open your eyes. Um, I, I think about that moment for me. I've shared this before, but uh, for me, that moment, I was a teenager. It was a crisis moment of my life, not just of my faith, but it, my reality, my family, my relationships. Uh, I watched my mom suffer through mental illness. It was terribly disruptive for her, but for our whole family. I felt not just uncertain in my faith. I felt uncertain of we were going to make it as a family, financially, relationship, emotionally, all of those things. It was the most desperate moment of my life. I remember it. I remember as a 15-year-old boy, teenager, crying myself to sleep, just looking up. And, and look, I, I knew the scriptures. I knew, uh, you know, for a 15-year-old, I'd been raised in, in a church, the Church of the Nazarene. So I knew doctrine, and I knew the right answers. But in that moment, a 15-year-old, tears streaming down my face. I'm looking up at God. Where are you? It was a crisis in my life. And when I think back and I ask myself the question, what did I need most in that moment? Again, I knew, I knew the answers. That was wonderful, important. But in that moment, the lowest of low, and I don't know about you, but I'm just talking about my experience. I asked you to think of yours. My lowest moment when I, when I thought hopelessness would smother me and overwhelm me, you know what I needed? I needed Jesus. <laughs> I needed Jesus. I, I, didn't, I didn't just need some idea of, of a religion. I needed a relationship with a God who would be with me in my suffering. I needed to know I was not alone. I needed to know that I had a Savior because I couldn't save myself. Everything I was experiencing was far bigger than anything I could ever do. And I needed to know that there was a hope for me that I couldn't see. I needed to know that there was, uh, God, God could work for the good of those who loved him. I needed to know that healing would be possible in that moment. It felt impossible. But in that moment, the most desperate moment of my life, I don't even think I could articulate it. But looking back now, I see, man, I needed Jesus. That's what I needed. What about you? What about you as you reflect back on that? For me, I look back and say, yeah, I needed a relationship that was real between me and God. I needed, I needed God to be with me, present, moment by moment, my next breath. I, I couldn't make it without him. What about you? Now, think about the most desperate person in your life right now. I'm not asking you to judge their choices or decisions. None of that's not what it's about. I just want you to think, who is a person in your life that's desperate? Maybe they're desperate for answers. Maybe there's a diagnosis, and, and it's... it's challenging. Maybe they're desperate financially. Maybe they're desperate. There's relational broken. I don't know what that means, but you just lay that over the grid of your life. I want you to think of the most desperate person in your life today, right now. You thinking of them? You have that person in your mind? I believe the Lord will, will show you who that person is. What is it they need most today? Now, I believe they need you. They need a friend. They need somebody to listen. They need somebody to show up for them. Maybe they need some financial resources. Maybe they need some support. Maybe all of those things they may need. But, but I want to challenge you today, at, at the core, that person, that most desperate person in your life today, beyond all of the temporary things that they may need, you know what they really need? Jesus. <laughs> That's what they need. I'm here to tell you, a person in crisis, and you can support them and say, oh, there's this. But at the end of it all, none of those things that we can do for them, things that we can give them, provide for them, they're not going to meet the deepest need of their soul. They need Jesus. He's the answer. He's the hope. 
He's the Savior. And I'm not saying we don't love people. And I'm not saying don't bring them a meal. Please do that stuff. But acknowledge the deepest need that we have and in the lives of others. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And if we get so fixated on all of those other things and we lose sight that it all begins and ends with Jesus, we really don't have anything to offer. (laughs) We really don't. I was thinking of a story. Um, I like to hike. Now, as soon as I say that, some of you will put me in a category. I don't have all the gear. I don't have the cool boots. I haven't done thousands of miles. Of hike. Some of you are looking at me like, yeah, we could tell. But I just, you know, don't. You could ask me a story. I'll tell you one. But your stories are cooler if you're way into hiking. I don't have the cool backpack with the water inside and the straw. And I don't have any of that, you know, because I'm cheap and I have four kids. So, but what I do love is I love, I think I just love getting out in the woods I love it because it's like getting away. I love it because my cell phone doesn't work a lot. I can just get away from, you know, it's just being, some of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about because that sounds miserable. But if you like that kind of thing, you're tracking with me and you understand. So uh, my kids like to hike, at least three-fourths of them do. So uh, I take them and we have some typical routes we do. It's like three miles, very easy, kind of a chill, and everybody will kind of, but, but sometimes, because I've got different age kids. My daughter, uh, Reese is 15, she's sophomore in high school. My boys are both in middle school, eighth and, and, and sixth grade, and then my youngest is five. She's a kindergartner. So I've got a pretty wide gap here. So trying to find something to engage them all in is challenging. But my boys, they want to go farther. They want to do something a little more challenging. And so one time I decided, okay, it's a couple years ago, I decided, all right, we're going to do this. We're going we're gonna to set out. And, and, I, and I did a little bit of research. I had some conversations, and I found a route where you would start, and you would kind of go a full loop, and it would lead you all the way back to where, where we started. So I thought, this will be good. This will be a little bit more challenging, be more fun, feel a sense of accomplishment. And so we do all the things you do. For me, we pack the lunch, we've got the water, the food. We always bring the dog along because she likes, I don't know. So we're there, we're setting out. And I remember we were a few hours in, hours, hours, plural, in to our hike. And I, I started to get a little worried. Because, you know, I was on the path, at least I thought I was, I don't think I had missed a turn anywhere. And, and you know, I, I asked a little bit about this path, but I'd never really been on it before, so I didn't totally know how long it was going to be. I didn't really know how far we had gone so far. And I started to get just this little moment in my, a little doubt, little voice somewhere in there that was like, do you really know what you're... So being the responsible father that I am, I silenced that voice, and we just kept hiking for a while, but then the voice got a little bit louder, and a little bit louder, and then this, this kind of overwhelming panic started to settle in, because I realized that um, I think we're on this path, and it's going to lead back to our car, but, but I'm not totally sure how much farther that is, and we don't really have enough food and water for too much longer, and it's going to get dark eventually, and I don't have cell phone. So I'm sorry, racking up all the things in my mind. I'm like, and Lauren will kill me. No, so that was somewhere in there. So I just, I got to this moment, this crisis moment, where I was like, either I'm going to keep going and just trust that this is going to lead us back, or we got to turn around. And you can guess which option sounded more exciting to my boys that wanted the thrill. Turning around felt like defeat. Well, why do I tell you that story? I tell you that story because uh, this past Christmas, uh, a friend of mine, Patrick, who likes to hike, he, he attends our Harrisonburg campus. He's one of our, our church board members. He's a great leader and 
faithful friend, and he got me something. He wrapped it all up, and he gave it to me like early, and I, we don't, we don't exchange, my wife and I don't exchange gifts, so there's not really anything to open. So I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open this on Christmas. I'm going to put it under the tree. Like, it's on Christmas. I open it, and it's, it's this crazy thing. Some of you, uh, if you're like below the age of 30, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But it's this crazy thing called a map. <laughs> so my friend Patrick got me these, and they're actually really cool. But it's these, and, and some of you are like, map, my phone. No, no, no. Not, it's like a paper map that you, you have to unfold 43 times, and you can't ever put it back the way it came. But... Uh, he got me these maps of all the hiking trails in the Shenandoah National Forest. Really cool. And so now I can lay that out and I can look at that route we were on and I can say not just the distance, but I can tell you, when, you know, kind of when it's going to start going uphill and when the bend's going that way and when you, know, you might be tempted to go right but stay left. And I, I can plan ahead and if there's a moment of indecision, I can, hey, everybody stop and I can unfold it 48 times and I can look at it and I can measure and know exactly where we are and exactly where we're going. And I got to tell you, that's a much better feeling. And why, do I, why in the world do I tell you that story? I tell you that story, church family, because Jesus is our map. And some of you here today, you're living your life, and you're kind of like me with my kids out there on the route. And you, you kind of have an idea of where you're going. And it feels right most of the time. But sometimes we don't know, do we? And sometimes it is hard and challenging and there's questions and there's doubts and there's fears and there's things happening around us. And in that moment, if it's just up to us and it's just up to us to kind of figure it out, you're kind of in that moment of panic of, man, I hope this goes okay. But that's not how we were created to live. We weren't created to live to just have to guess or figure it out on our own or do our best to get through Jesus came to be the way so that we would have a map, so that we could know with absolute certainty, I know what's coming up ahead, and I don't have to fear, and I'm not going to, on my own strength, I'm not going to be able to handle it, but I've got the map, I've got the guide, so I know we're going to make it around this turn, and I know we're going to make it back just in time, just as we've planned so don't worry. And so I tell you my story to say, first of all, uh, I'm here today and at least one of my children's here. So we did make it back alive. But, but you better believe I made him turn around. And I heard about it the whole way back. Ugh. But I learned a valuable lesson that day. So today, so today, does it begin and end with Jesus for you? Is he the way in your life? Is he, is he your savior? Is he with you and you, you're walking with him and you're relying on his strength every day? Or has Jesus kind of become a way, an option, something that you, oh man, when I'm, you better believe out in the middle of the woods, I was calling on Jesus, right? Because when we get in that moment, but, but we don't let him guide us every day. We don't let him really be everything that he came to be in our lives. He's just kind of a way, not, not the way. So today. Apart from Jesus, really, quite literally, we're lost. We may think we're going down the right path. We may have, but then we start guessing and figuring it out on our own, and that's not, that's not how we were created. Don't take my word for it. Listen one more time. To, we're not going to look at all these, but just, just listen to these statements that Jesus made throughout Scripture, the I am statements. Think about the clarity that he's providing for us. This is what Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. 
I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the true vine. Yes, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It all begins and ends with Jesus. And that brings me to you and me today. Who, who do you say that Jesus is in your life right now? Is he everything to you or is he just part of your life? Is he everything or is he nothing? Who is Jesus today to you? Let's take a look at this. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of truth he's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior i wonder if you know him today he supplies strength for the weak he's available for the tempted and the tried he sympathizes and he saves he strengthens and sustains he guards and he guides he heals the sick he cleans the lepers he forgives sinners discharges debtors, he delivers the captives, he defends the feeble, he blesses the young, he serves the unfortunate, he regards the age, he rewards the diligent, and he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him, he's a key to knowledge, he's a wellspring of wisdom, he's a doorway of deliverance, he's a pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his word is lighter. I could describe him, so yet he's indescribable, he's incomprehensible, he's invincible, he's irresistible, well, you can't get him out of your mind, you can't, you can't get him off of your head, you can't outlive him, and you can't live without him, well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him, Pilate couldn't find any fault in him, terror couldn't kill him. Amen. Could you stand?
stand right where you are. We're going to worship in just a minute, close with a time of prayer. Before we do that, I just want to invite you today. Do you know him? Do you really know him? Have you allowed him to take that place in your life? Um, today, maybe you, you're here and you're like, man, I've, I have some doubts about Jesus sometimes. I would say, join the club. Part of this church, walking in relationship with Christ doesn't mean you never have doubt. But it means ultimately, like we heard last week, we trust. Jesus, I trust that you are the way. I trust that you've made a way. I trust that you're, you came to show us God with us, that you're present with us even now. I trust that I don't have to walk this path alone. I don't have to guess. I don't have to make it up as I go. So today, uh, we're going we're gonna to sing and we're going to pray, but, but some of us in the room may want to respond. And so in the first service, we did it this way. Uh, today, if you're just sensing in your life that you want to recommit and say, I, it begins and ends with Jesus for me. Maybe you've never allowed him to be Savior. Maybe you've allowed other things. Uh, maybe you identify with me and my kids out there in the middle of the woods, kind of guessing it a little bit. And not really allowing him to be the way in your life. Today, I just want to give you an opportunity. You can sit where you are, pray. You can stand, sing. Or some of us uh, today, you may want to come forward. And Here by the cross, there's just some cards and pens. And in the first service, a few of us just wrote our name on that card and we placed it at the foot of the cross. And by doing so, we were just saying, Jesus, you are the way. In my life, you're the way. For some, that was an acknowledgement that maybe we've gotten a little bit off course. For me, it was the reality that too many times I live my life still like I don't have the map. Like I got to figure it out on my own. And so today, that was my step towards saying, Jesus, it begins and ends with you. My daily walk as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a friend, it begins and ends with you. And so today, no pressure. But for those that want to respond, you're welcome. You won't be the only one. There's already names there from the first service but you're invited. Jesus, Jesus, thank you. You desire to be our Savior today. Maybe there's one in the room today that never made that decision and in faith today would just say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, I, you are the way to the Father. Forgive me of my sin. I want to walk with you. There's others today. Maybe Life has gotten a little bit complicated and a little bit disrupted and a little bit confusing. And sometimes we make it about so many other things when it really does begin and end with you. And so we want you to come and lead us and guide us. We don't want to guess anymore. We don't want anything else to be our map. Jesus. Jesus. So we thank you for this time of worship and prayer and response. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.